Hey, we're back from a not entirely planned hiatus. Not at all planned hiatus, as a matter of fact. An unplanned, un unwished for, unwished for, vacation. unpleasant. <laughs> a lot of uns. Uh, anyway, I'm Nick. I'm Nick. No, you're fine. I'm Elise. And I don't I'm Alex. It's been so long, I don't remember what order we go we, in, except for we make this, this, this straight man go first. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, but yeah, it, it, sorry, go ahead. we're back, and we're all tripping over oh each God. other because we can't think we're of all, anything to say. We're all so, so very tired. We're, we're tired, <laughs> we're rusty from pod, podcasting. You know, we got to get back in the groove of things. Yeah. It's hard. Podcasting is hard. Yeah, <laughs> gotta. You know? you gotta... People think like just anybody can can get a fifty dollar microphone off of Amazon and. Excuse me, I think pretty sure these microphones were eighty dollars <laughs> each. Thank you. These microphones were like ninety dollars. <laughs> anyway, and the answer is yes. Actually, anybody can buy a fifty dollar, eighty dollar, ninety whatever mic on Amazon and make a podcast. It's actually yeah. not that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the mixer oh, that we still don't know how to use was considerably <laughs> more than that. The mixer that we use, but the mixer that that yeah, I think there are people the mixer who... that we don't technically need to use anymore because the old mixer we used had two inputs, and there's only two of you in the same room. Right no, now. but the old mixer you'll recall was so old that it didn't have drivers past Windows Vista, mm. so it only worked on Elise's old laptop from college. <laughs> That's why we kept that old thing around. Yeah. yeah. I just, you know, I just feel like the way you two keep being like the old one from pop, like I'm not that old. Uh-huh. All right. It wasn't fun. Shut we, up. I didn't okay. say you were at old. Least, at least what year did you graduate from college again? You know what? <laughs> it's the year that we graduated in our hearts. Okay. <laughs> I want to know what year just, in high school I was it, in during. Oh my God. Please stop talking. <laughs> Please shut shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, time is a flat circle. Um, Uh, Man, so here we are, back again. Here we are in this endless treadmill of life. Twenty years out from (laughs) September eleventh. Sorry. Oh yeah. Did you did you remember to leave uh, cookies and milk out for George W. Bush? (laughs) I did. (laughs) Uh, Did leave. leave, I uh, I stacked up two two books, uh, two towers of books, and in the middle of the night. Uh, he came in his, and he knocked him out. Him, him and his him and his oh, helpers, God. Paul Wolfowitz and uh, and Dick Cheney. Can we? I don't. Okay. Oh, okay, I like on the one hand, it's like I don't because like every fucking podcast that is made by millennials mm-hmm. has had like some sort of like retrospective. Like, do you remember where you were? And then there's like a bunch of Zoomers who are like, no, because I was in fucking daycare. And yeah. it's, it's like, well, shut your mouth. Um, right? Like they're like, no, I was too. Like, but do you want to do that? Wow. Do you wanna do you wanna talk no. about where you were on? Not no. not it was hey, guess what? Everyone care. was having a normal ass Tuesday until that happened. <laughs> and then we all lost our minds for a few years. Like and some of fucking minds. Some of us got a little bit better. Most of us have still lost our minds. And that's oh, kind yeah. of where we're at. I just like, you know, it's like the more 
I feel like I feel like I've done nothing but like say problematic things on this podcast <laughs> as of late. Like I feel like I don't say anything of use, and this time will be no different. Um, I just feel like, like I don't know. Being now an adult in my thirties, mm-hmm. and it's weird because it's like I definitely have friends who, and I know people who are like older than me who are like in their twenties when it happened and they're definitely like, I have a, a whole slew of coworkers that are like, I don't know, I was five. And it's just like, shut up. <laughs> like, um, but I guess like the thing that bothers me about like nine 11, God, this is such a terrible <laughs> way to say You know, guys, maybe nine 11 wasn't that great. I know, right? Hot, it, take. hot take. It was that. <laughs> but like the fetish, the fetishization of Mm -hmm. nightmare. Can we talk about that? Like, if we're going to talk about it, like, I don't really give a shit. Like, Oh, were you in seventh? Like I was in seventh grade. It's the reason why anyone remembers who Rudy Giuliani was. You shut your whore mouth. (laughs) Shut your whore mouth. Okay. Nobody asked you. Look, okay, when you have to, when you're eight years old and you suddenly have to be aware of international politics, all right, your childhood ends quickly. That's true. That is true. That is true. I was like, man, at least like Nick and I got it. Like, because you were 14. Yeah, it was my, were, like, my freshman. The first school. week of my freshman year yeah. of high school. Yeah. And because, well, first full week. And because my dad was in the army and was like a helicopter pilot based out of yeah. Bragg, like he was gone for three days, like transporting people back and forth from the yeah. Pentagon. So, and like some of our neighbors had people working at the Pentagon. So like it was, right. it was a whole thing up in Nova. Uh, that, is you know, true. that is true Nova, too. Nova guys right. that you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is also like another thing. Cause it's like a lot of my coworkers like up here, obviously like grew up around here. And so yeah. they're just like, Oh, and I was like, no, I like, I grew up in like seven, five, seven represent. So like we didn't give a <laughs> shit. Um, no, just kidding. But like, I don't know. Like it was a weird, it was a weird time. It was a scary time. My dad had retired from the air force. There was like a lot of, conjecture about because like he was only five years out of retirement and there's something about like if the military needs you they can actually like recall you from retirement yeah and so there was like a couple of months where we were all just like sort of white knuckling it (laughs) to like find out if my dad was gonna get recalled um like called back into service over this and then they were like no you're too disabled like we fucked you up too much with the first Gulf War we're not gonna make you do the second one but like (laughs) It's so terrible. But like, you know, but like the the fetishization. Am I saying that right? Fetish, fetishization. Fetishization. No, I, <laughs> None of us can what say she said. But like, <laughs> but like it, of 9-11 has really, I think, like fucked us up. Mm-hmm. And like oh, yeah. the way that people really are like we should all act like we did on september 12th and it's like no we nope. fucking we lost our fucking some of you, lives. Like, some of y'all started committing yeah. eight crimes we yeah. thought like 952 okay yeah on september 11th and, like some of y'all like really really should just rein it back and, and like that was not a good time for a lot of people like even even the people who weren't out committing out and out hate crimes like yeah. there were a lot of people yeah, lot who of there were a lot of people who thought that George W. Bush was making sense. And like, yeah. that was a problem. And now we're back to that again. Like, right, which right. I feel like, I no, feel like we should nice just remember. He's just a nice makes, old man who paints. Who makes weird paintings of all the, the, the children who he's murdered. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that. 
that's wrong. He's a war criminal. But like, but then it's like every time and now it's like, oh, 9-11, like we're going to talk about it again, but we're not going to talk about like, like, yeah, we had a two decade long war that cost like a trillion dollars that mm -hmm. had nothing to do with our, like the, the people Stated who. objective. Yeah. Because, who, because yeah. we could have, we could have, because the Taliban was willing to negotiate well, after being bombed. Yeah. Yeah. One of one of the things that I I was reminded of that I had completely Don't negotiate with terrorists. That I had completely forgotten about mm -hmm. was the um the band music list. Oh yeah. I completely forgot about that until someone I... reminded me about it the other day. Mm -hmm. It's like fuck, I totally forgot that there were songs that it was just like like the the um, Clear Channel Radio, who owns the majority of radio stations in the country, like put out a list of songs that was just like we will not play this these songs, and it was like like some of it like made sense. Like I think uh, leaving on a jet plane mm -hmm. was was banned, but then like like ACDC Highway to Hell. Was like yeah. was banned from the radio for a while. There, it's like what the fuck. Um, it was interesting. It was like, an interesting time. For anything that talked about New York City, yeah. like you couldn't have songs about New York City there for a while. Yeah. But then, like every radio station was like scrambling to find like whatever like patriotic songs they could. Mm. So you're getting these like recordings of God Bless America from like the oh, 1940s God. that sounded like like ass like yeah, actual yeah, yeah. ass that song that sounds like... like ass no matter who recorded it we had to do so in my in my high school theater class did you do a oh no i seem to have lost nick and elise uh i'm gonna pause the recording and try to get them back and we will see if this uh fixes itself please hold all right, and we're back. All right, so to answer Elisa's question of if if we had to do a salute to America, the answer was yes. Um, sorry, there was some, a technical glitch there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so we had we did have to do that song, uh, "God Bless America," and mm -hmm. it, and it's like this. It's a terrible song. It is. It is like a fucking dirge. Mm -hmm. Like it is just. There's no. <laughs> It is, it is, it is plain, dry wonder bread with nothing <laughs> on it in audio form. It, like, know, of, yeah. But yeah, it was a weird. Like there's no key changes in that fucking song. It's just like, I don't know. It is, it is meant for a choir of fourth graders to sing <laughs> and nobody else. I think I think the the patriotic songs of that era that we had to sing, like the one that I remember the most is "This Land Is Your Land." Yeah, like, yeah, but we're not going to do some cool socialist lyrics. <laughs> like, that song slaps. Some good lyrics in "This Land Is My Land." Yeah, but that's the one that I remember. Yeah, <laughs> that song's fucking great. That's yeah, but they like cut you off before they get to like the union busting. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The the thing about how uh, like private property is bullshit. Yeah, they, they yeah, cut yeah. that verse out. Cut that all yeah. out. Um, yeah, can't, can't have that anymore. America lost its fucking uh, minds. Mm -hmm. It was so yeah. that was weird, and then it's just like, but then it's like every time you bring it up, and it's everybody is like, oh, but the people, and it's like, and I don't want to be like disrespectful, and I feel like this does come, like I feel like it's very difficult 
Because it's like, you know, everybody has that knee re- knee-jerk reaction yeah. of like, well, you, you're like, you're disrespecting you're, the truth. So you're, you're disrespecting them. Certain Sorry. age. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if you're a person of a certain, like five, six, fucking 30 somethings. Anyway. But like, <laughs> but like, it's like this idea of like, oh, you're being disrespectful or like you're, you know, but like that loss of life and it's very regrettable and it's very upsetting. Mm-hmm pales in comparison to what's happened to the two two decades of imperialism Mm -hmm. that ensued because of because of that action like the retaliation was after 9-11 was not comparable to what happened Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's it that's i'm canceled i'm gonna lose my job no you're not like it's I think most people like would agree with that. Honestly, yeah. at this point, I, I feel like maybe not most people, but there, there's like a lot of people in this country who are like, kind of look back at it because it just, it was just so normalized so quickly that like a lot yeah. of that shit disappeared into the background radiation of our lives. Yeah. But if you do like actually think back and remember like how bug fuck the the early part of the 21st century was in this country yeah like it is it is bizarre yeah i was talking sorry sorry Uh, i was oh oh, no go ahead sorry i was talking to my mom about it actually um just just a couple hours just about an hour ago uh and she was talking about how like in her eyes, everyone was like afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like there was not not just nine eleven, but also in the same the anthrax. Kind of years, there's the anthrax. Yeah, like the, the next week. Sniper. Yeah, there, there was the beltway sniper. The beltway sniper. The beltway sniper, yeah. the beltway sniper is actually the one that I think about as being like honestly, like on a personal level, mm-hmm. that impacted me more. Um, cause I didn't live like right off the beltway, but I lived like pretty close to 95 growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I would see like, oh, that gas station is like a few miles from where my dad goes to work every day. Yeah. Like, like I think there was one of the places where a guy got shot pumping gas is a place where my dad had filled up the car like yeah. a few weeks before. Yeah. So it's just sort of like, oh, like that. And, and like, I heard, I just remember when, before they caught him. I'm sorry to, to step on what you were saying, mm-hmm. but that I was thinking about this earlier before they caught him. I remember being outside after school, like waiting for the activity bus to come pick me up and just like watching the tree line. Mm-hmm. Like I was like a fucking GI in Vietnam <laughs> or something like that. Like, cause it was like, it, I, I was like we were far enough away for like, we weren't right off of 95, like I said, but we were like fairly close to the interstate. And it's like, we didn't know where this guy would fucking strike next. Cause it started off in DC and like that area, but then he like went all the way down to Richmond. And so it's like mm-hmm. anywhere around here, like yeah. he could be anywhere. Yeah. He could as, literally be anywhere in this area. And as someone who was up in, in Nova, yeah. you know, yeah. like, yeah, no, we weren't, we wouldn't be allowed to do that. Like we would have had to wait inside for the activities. Yeah. To show up. But like how much that, has completely changed. Like, I don't know, like, there's, um, I don't know how much I want to get into, like, specifics, because I feel like if I give too, way too many details, then it's going to be, like, 
super obvious where I grew up. <laughs> well, I also I also think that Alex was in the middle of making a point oh, and sorry. I stepped on her point. I apologize. Was Alex. I in the middle of making a point? You oh, were, yeah. your, your mom Growing was saying... Nova and like oh. Nova being near DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like everybody kind of lost their minds and was like ruled by fear, like yeah. she says. But like, of course, being young, it was all kind of abstracted for me. Um, but like, yeah, like I was, we were talking about how all of the adults around that time, uh, like nobody dared talk out about the war. Cause yeah. Cause like I phrased it, like nobody dared talk out about the war because of public sentiment. And she was like, everybody was on board with the war. Or at least mm -hmm. everybody that she knew. <laughs> everybody... I protested the war in yeah. when I was in high school. Just that was not true. Anyway, sorry. The, Af the Afghan war, or the Iraq war. Um, cause there was a distinct difference between our, yeah. that is true. That is true. I think it was the Iraq war. Yeah. Okay. Cause, yeah. cause we knew people that protested the Iraq war, but the Afghanistan war, yeah. everyone that we knew was on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was kind of like her, her take on it was that no, we were all like, and my response to that was like, we were all smooth talked into war, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, by hacks and, and charlatans. Yeah. Yeah. Known as the Bush administration. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because there's like been a lot of memes uh -huh. about like uh like specifically about like millennials and then also and also zoomers to a lesser extent mm -hmm. about like well you know we all just saw two thousand people die on live television when we were nine and things just haven't been the same since <laughs> but like and it's a joke mm -hmm. but but it's literally true it's yeah. literally true so the younger that you are the more of an effect that trauma has on you. Mm -hmm. um, and the more it actually, like, they've done studies about this with children. And you look at, like, children who get raised in abusive households um, where they're being exposed to trauma on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. The older children actually fare better. And the younger, if you are a baby in that situation, you're actually going to have the most long-lasting effects of the trauma mm. than you would be your older siblings, which is counterintuitive than how a lot of um, child psychologists thought about trauma for a really long time was like, mm. oh, if you're a baby, you don't care. Like it doesn't affect you. And it only affects children who are cognizant. And they actually find out that the opposite is true. The younger you are, the more that it affects you. Yeah. So we literally did like fuck up an entire generation mm -hmm. of people um, so in case anybody is like, why do all the millennials have depression and anxiety? Mm. Why are all like the Zoomers, you know, nihilistic Tide Pod eaters? And like the answer kind of is, yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's not 9-11, but it's rather the fact that we were allowed to watch it in schools. Oh, yeah. Um, with the fact that we were allowed to watch it in schools and the mm. fact that like all the adults, the people that we were looking to to like help us just lost their goddamn yeah. minds yeah. like in yeah. the weeks after 9 11 yeah uh, so, the, so what you're saying is i'm more fucked up than y'all are you are actually more <laughs> fucked up than us by, um, by, by, a, by a small factor yeah yeah um <laughs> so the um the the thing that yeah what i often think about whenever this comes up and I, i'm like i kind of made a joke about how like everyone just talks about like oh yeah like where you were and it was a normal last day. I made a joke about that earlier, but it was true. And I just remember um, the, the footage that quickly got memory hold mm. of, of people jumping from the towers. Yeah. That was the, I'm sorry. Like I was, the fact that we were allowed to watch that as children mm -hmm. and just like, 
Sorry, what were you? Yeah, I was sure allowed to watch that, but it was like yeah. there was no avoiding it. Like, yeah. there yeah. was no way you could have stopped someone from knowing of what was happening. Yeah, like, like we, we, when the news got around of what was happening, I was in, um, I was in uh, my earth science class when I first heard about it mm -hmm. and I thought it was like a Cessna or something like, cause it's like when someone says, Oh, a plane ran into one of the twin towers. You don't think an airliner. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. think, you know, like, like, yeah, like a Cessna. Exactly. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that sounds terrible. Like that's a, that's a, that's a tragedy. Yeah. And then my next class was uh world history and the world history teacher had the TV on the cart yeah. in, in the room already. And so the rest of the people in that hallway kind of were all piled into our classroom and we were watching the fucking today show and like watching live footage of yeah. people jumping to their death with Matt fucking Lauer doing color commentary on it. Which also like everything that we've learned in Matt about Matt Lauer in the last two decades. Mm -hmm. But like specifically the memory that I have is like seeing people on the ground mm -hmm. with everything covered, covered up and yeah. dead bodies. And it's just mm -hmm. like, the fact that we were like allowed to fucking watch that mm -hmm. as children with very little context. And then what's the fucked up thing, I think, you know, because Anna and I was like at a school that like had like a television every classroom because that was going to be seen as like the new thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so like it was just like you couldn't escape it. Because, right. like, every class that you went to just had it on. Mm -hmm. And then they were, like, finally the principal was, like, at least, like, my principal had enough, like, wherewithal to be, like, maybe, maybe we don't. Um, <laughs> maybe we just all shut off the TVs for the day. And so, like, they did. But then they were, like, insistent of, like, you have to go back to work. Mm. You have to do something. You have to do math. Yeah. You have to do science or whatever it is. And it's, like, that feeling of, like, this is a tragedy. We're not going to talk about it. You have to just continue on as if like nothing else is happening. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people my age, like have that similar kind of that feeling. And I think what's interesting. How do you go to back to work during 9-11? <laughs> right. What's interesting is one, how that has kind of fueled our pandemic response mm -hmm. and our inability to stop the capitalism machine even in the wake of, of what I would argue is a greater national tragedy, which is the COVID-19 yeah. response and lack of. Mm -hmm. and, um, in terms of deaths, absolutely. Right. Like, we've lost nearly a million Americans to this disease. Well, over half a million. Over half a million. Sorry. Not to, like, inflate numbers, not to overstate harm, but, like, over half a million. Like, that's... Un <laughs> like, 59-11s. Not to, like, put it like that. But... <laughs> but... Um, it's interesting how that in turn, that and like Columbine and a lot of other things have spurred the research on how you actually talk to children about, because um, then it was like two years later, there was Katrina. Because um, that's like another like touchstone, I think in my, my, my adolescence is like the two weeks after when we had Katrina happen. Mm -hmm. um, and like the, the fucking response to that. But, like, how that in turn, like, changed a lot of research on, like, how trauma affects children. Mm -hmm. How do you talk to children about trauma? How do you talk to children about, like, national tragedies? And, like, you know, the way, in comparison, the way that January 6th was handled mm -hmm. in schools, as opposed to the way that 9-11 was happened. Right. And it's really an interesting parallel, because then you have people are mid-career educators in their 30s 
remembering their their response as students and then having to like rectify that for the next generation right i do want to say because you talk about like children's psychology and such like that yeah my, i don't have a lot of memories from 9 11 itself because yeah. you know i was in third grade so we don't like have tvs going and we aren't like learning about current right. events um all, all that was happening was that they didn't tell us anything and then we had to get picked up directly from the school like they wouldn't yeah. take us bus or anything like that and we couldn't walk home because i i walked home um and then, of course, after we get home, I was like glued to the TV, even though my mom says I wasn't allowed to. I remember watching the TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, what I do remember, though, was not it was like a couple weeks or maybe next month afterwards. Um, they had us do like this abstract, like coloring project where we were given like a prompt of, of a art. We were given like a blank square with like diagonal lines. And everyone was like, OK, turn this into a work of art. And I turned it into a sideways representation of one of the Twin Towers after being hit cool. by a plane. Awesome! And I got sent to a, uh, like a like the, the school psychiatrist or whatever. But I got sent to the counselor's office for that. However, in that waiting room, waiting for that, uh, one of my classmates had turned that same prompt into like the wing of one of the airplanes flying into the uh, Pentagon. That's how I met my best friend in middle school. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I met my best friend in elementary school is in that uh, counselor's office with the two drawings of 9-11. But also like, what the fuck did you expect children? Like that's literally what children do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, literally it's like, that's how children... Children process trauma through through like behavior and art. Like that's like kind of the one unifying which, thing when you talk about child psychology, right? Which makes me wonder if that was like intentional or if that just happened to be the prompt that was like, mm -hmm. like was they, <laughs> it's like we're gonna give out this prompt and we're gonna see like who needs to be sent to the school psych. Yeah, I mean, probably, <laughs> probably what happened. Can. <laughs> So like this is this is kind of off of a different different subject, but like I want to talk about how how this affected our our, our dear boomer parents. Oh dear, because oh, I we, can we pause it real quick and I can use the rest. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. On that note, yeah. Right? All, right. All right. So so coincidentally, or maybe not so coincidentally, I also fairly recently had a conversation with my mother where I mentioned. Not not nine and eleven specifically, but I was I made a reference to the the terror alert warning colors. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> red alert, the green alert. Yeah. as just kind of a joke. And wow. my mom was like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "What do you mean? What am I talking about?" Like there was this thing that the entire country did, and it was on the news every single night. For like five goddamn years, we all, made, we all made fun of it because it was like six colors, but it only ever like ping pong between the two. Like yeah. it was yellow all the time until right before an election when it suddenly it would jump up to orange for no reason. Right. And guys, don't you want to vote for the Republicans now that it's orange? Will yeah. the Democrats protect you? And like, it was a thing for yeah. like half of a decade. It was, I remember and that. Like, like she just completely forgot about it, and I'm oh, like, goodness. like this is why, this is why boomers are crazy, is uh -huh. because like this kind of shit 
that like affected our entire lives for forever they just like they just erase from their subconscious like oh, yeah. like it's like erase from their memory uh-huh. as soon as it no longer like is can like is useful to them it's just gone yeah right do they do they like conflate it with like the defcons of like the cold war or do they God, just, like, not remember it at all i i i don't know well i, I don't this is like i said it is just uh, like it is a single incident incident that happened to me recently where i was just like oh yeah yeah, yeah, this thing that we all know about because I said it and y'all both knew exactly what I was yeah, talking yeah. about. And because it was yeah, a thing for so long and we all made fun of it. There's a there's a Twitter page called uh, George W. Bush era leftism and they have a post about that very thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite I don't want to say like my favorite dumb 9-11 thing, but like <laughs> Is so that like, going to be the podcast episode? My favorite. Oh, no, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> and you have to, no. you have to attribute attribute Bad it to Elisa's Elisa's full given name. No, and to my workplace. Like, <laughs> the whole thing. Oh my god, no. <laughs> anyway, so like, the messenger, Nick. I sent you something. Okay. <laughs> but um, like. My favorite dumb 9-11 thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't stop saying it. Okay. Is like, so we, like, we all grew up in Virginia and we still live in Virginia. And like, um, you know, maybe if you're from West Coast, worst coast, you wouldn't know this. But, <laughs> but like, Virginia is like a really, like, it is a very, it's an interesting state. Because um, like, we have the military, we have our proximity to DC, which like really informs their economy, but we're also a tourist destination. Yeah. Do you all remember like just like every place trying to get like Homeland security grants Mm -hmm. and trying to convince, like it was like a point of pride to say that like your institution or your theme park or your like 18th century museum (laughs) could potentially be like hit by the terrorists. I don't remember that because I was too young, I think, but okay. I'm, sure, I'm sure that if I had gone to Mount Vernon at the time and someone had mentioned it, it, <laughs> it would have been just making sense. I think like, it was probably because like, I was like an adolescent, but like, um, I just remember like in the years following, it wasn't like immediately after, mm. but it was like after like the creation of Homeland Security and they started talking about like, where, where, because that was like the whole dialogue is like, where are the terrorists going to have like hit next? And like the mm. answer was like, Airplay airports and random random gas stations and fucking Nova, but um like along the beltway. But like there is like this insistence, like every single, like, you know, every single like tourist trap in, in Virginia, in the great <laughs> Commonwealth of Virginia, mm-hmm. right? Like like King's Dominion and Bush Gardens and Colonial Williamsburg. Carolina. But like but all of them were just like, no, like the terrorists are gonna hit us where it hurts. They're gonna they're gonna attack Apollo's chariot. Like <laughs> just, <laughs> just this feeling of just like we need to have money to protect our George Washington reenactors. They need they need uh service to air missiles <laughs> at uh, Colonial Williamsburg. It needs to come out of the Capitol building. We need to have <laughs> turrets pop out of the governor's palace and shoot up into the air it's like this symbolizes america oh my god 
<laughs> like if they had just gone like three hours south, yeah, that could have been our like hotel on the the Virginia Beach ocean front or like whatever. Like, <laughs> downs is gonna yeah. get yeah, <laughs> downs. <laughs> Like, like all these things that like no one outside of the Eastern Seaboard even knows are there, right. but like, even, and even that's being generous. Honestly, I feel like if you explain like the concept of like Colonial Williamsburg to like a terrorist, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, that place, yeah, yeah that sounds terrible. We should, love the place but, but the problem is that they have to know about it first, and yeah. I don't think they know about it. Oh god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please don't cancel me. <laughs> too late for this, Elise. It's we were canceled late. like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the that's the nice thing about being unimportant. Is you can't if you don't have a platform, you can't be canceled. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure the twelve of you listening to this podcast are gonna not listen to the rest of it after this point. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was like a thing that happened. Yeah. It sure happened. Uh, it sure, it sure did. <sighs> I am very glad I made my first friend in elementary school because of 9 11. Silver linings, right? How do, we, how do we how do we transfer away from this into our usual stuff? So, so speaking so. of so speaking of things that took twenty years to get closure, we've oh we finally watched the last two Evangelion movies. Hey, good <laughs> wow, one. that was like a duck to water, maybe. I was a really good, was a really solid. Would you try to do better? <laughs> no, 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 I think that's speaking, it. Speaking of things from the early 2000s, segues. Uh, Uh, wow. Terrorists are going to come for the segues. (laughs) They hate our freedoms. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'll stop, I promise. Wait, hold on. Didn't the the guy who invented the segue die by falling off of a segue? (laughs) Or am I misremembering that? Oh, that, that sounds too poetic to exist. I, I'm pretty sure. No, I. But I, he did say it was going to be the end of walking. He thought like segways were going to be like the new transportation that like we would never have public transportation again. That we were like never going to walk again. That we were just we were just going to use segways. Segways forever. The inventor of the segway is still alive. Okay. Oh, okay. Lame. I mean, Dean, Dean Kamen. Inventor of the no, hold on. the maker. Okay, so no, hold up, because this is saying that Heseldon died in 2010 from injuries apparently sustained falling from a cliff while writing his own product. Uh, maybe it was like the person that made it, but not the person invented. Oh, this is the person who bought the Segway company. Oh, okay, uh, so okay. The person who was like Segway, he no, owned- Segway's forever. So it wasn't it wasn't the inventor. It was I guess the owner. He was the Elon Musk of Segways. <laughs> Oh, if only the Elon Musk of uh. Elon Musk could uh, <laughs> eat fate. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> so I made the I made the segue to to the Evangelion movies earlier. Then then I, I made it as a joke. But is that where we're going now? I mean, you finished watching it. It's a we thing did. That you did we in did. the past three weeks. We did. Um. Did we talk about? The third one, or no, just the second about one? No, you the first two. You didn't okay. talk about the last two. Okay, so we watched the third one, uh, and it was weird. All right, 
so Alex, you know no, almost nothing about Evangelion, right? Aside from what you've like learned from cultural osmosis. Cultural osmosis and like the three episodes that you forced me to watch. Okay. Congratulations. 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 Um. So, I want you to take a guess. Okay. At what it would be the the thing that you could add into Evangelion? That's like it's a, it is a common anime trope, mm-hmm. right? A common anime trope that you could use in Evangelion that would make it even weirder and more confusing than it already was. It's an isekai. Oh, good guess, but no. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll give you. I'll give you one more. The, okay. It's, it is. It is. I'll, I'll. I'll give you the hint of it is. It is a storytelling trope. Like it is. It is something that is often used in animes to propel the story along. I don't know. Uh, I I really don't know. (laughs) They put a fucking time skip. Okay. Into Evangelion. (laughs) Okay. So the third movie, like the fourth movie ends with, oh, it's the end of the world. Or the second movie ends with, it's the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And then like cut to credits, right? Right. The third movie starts 14 years later. Oh, 14 years after the end of the world? Yes! Okay. <laughs> and so, like, kind of as the story goes on, it's like, no, but the, they stopped the world from ending, like, partway through, so it only kind of ended. And it's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> like, so you just kind of bumble around through this story in the third movie, where, like, no one, like, like the main character doesn't really understand anything that's happening around him, but all the other characters do because oh, they so, li- so, okay. So Shinji went forward in time. Yeah. Uh, basically effectively, okay. effectively okay. Uh, Shinji went forward in time, 14 years. Huh. Um, it's really more 14 years. Older? Yeah. No, no, okay. it is. It is Shinji. Shinji is in, effectively suspended animation from the end of the second movie to the beginning of the third movie. Okay. And they take him out of suspended animation and just everyone just treats him even more like shit. Like even the characters who didn't treat him like shit before treat him like shit now. It's like, well, what's going on? What happened? It's like, oh, you ended the world, Shinji. Great job. (laughs) Well, why did they bother taking me out of suspended animation if they're Um, just going to treat me like garbage? There there are plot reasons why that happened, Uh um, but it's still just like, so so it's basically just everyone's like, yeah, you're here. We're not happy about it. So we're just going to like stick you in a box through like 90% of this movie. Okay. (laughs) and like so shit's happening around you that you have no idea like why it's happening or what it means Uh um and i i kind of liked it it was very confusing because it it sounds it um but yeah it just kind of starts and ends kind of randomly it like very much felt like a bridging movie um Mm -hmm. and so i was really excited to watch the fourth one and we finally watched the fourth one last night and it's weird um no, yeah. really? it's, <laughs> but it's it's weird it's weird structural it's weird uh-huh. like structurally it's it's not it, i mean it is weird in the way that evangelion is always weird um but it's also just weird in terms of 
how the story itself is structured because like the first hour because it's it's a two and a half hour long movie so it's longer than the other ones that you've seen up to this point yeah because the other ones i think were most like all less than like two hours long this one is two and a half hours long and i would say the first hour or so of this movie is almost a ghibli movie okay like it's very pastoral it there's like no giant robots most i mean a few ghibli films are post-apocalyptic yeah yeah Yeah. And, and so it's like ray like uh not ray learns that she loves gardening and shinji's a mess and asuka feels like she doesn't belong but ray not ray really loves gardening and that's like most of that first hour okay and then like the last hour and a half is basically all just mecha battle and like weird like like the typical end of evangelion like pseudo freudian psychoanalytic shit mm-hmm. there's it was funny because we got to a point where it was like i was like it's the last because we got to a point where i'm like i felt like that should have been the end or we should be like in the last 15 minutes and we paused it we realized we still had in the last hour like another oh, no. hour to go no, no, i think it was like an hour and a half it was like we had an hour and a half and i was like is it gonna be just an hour and a half of like mecha battle and Nick was like, no, no, it is going to be 50% mecha battle and 50% psychoanalysis. And that was like pretty much exactly what on. happened. <laughs> on, actually. Like literally, basically we got 45 minutes of mecha, uh, but yeah. And then 45 minutes of like Shinji talking to his father. Like I hate and my- having a therapy session. I hate my father, but I love my father. <laughs> I hate I my son, my but mother. I love my son. Yeah. yeah, Nick, sorry to talk over you. You are. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Turn out the audio. You need to what either be fuck? quiet. Of course or... he is. I think you're also is. might be talking more also into Elisa's microphone, or your oh. voice oh is reaching God. it. Yeah, probably, so probably. <laughs> Get two microphones. Working. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, like it, it is such. It was such a beautiful movie, like. A lot of the rebuilds, like, I liked, but I was kind of lukewarm on. Like, the first one, it's just like, oh, it's really nice to see, like, these first few episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion kind of redone with nicer animation and a bigger budget. And then the second movie, it's like, okay, so we're going someplace a little bit different with this. But all right, all right. That's like, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Third movie, did not know what the fuck was happening from beginning to end, but it looked really pretty. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then the fourth movie, it's like, oh, I like a lot of stuff is actually being contextualized here that didn't really make sense before. There's still bullshit in it that like doesn't make sense, at least on first watch through. But it's like, oh, but no, but we're getting like a story arc, and we're getting closure, and it's like, no, this is the story ending. Finally, yeah. like oh, okay. 25 years after the series, like 20 something years after the movie that was called End of Evangelion, mm-hmm. we're actually getting the end of Evangelion. But it was like a really satisfying end. It, it was incredibly say, satisfying. Like, it was, 
it was it also very much like gave off the vibes of like now never ask me for this ever again yeah. like, <laughs> like Hidetaki Anno was very much like no we're done now I said I was done yeah three times before this and now for real it's done if you ask <laughs> me to on. do this again <laughs> I will end you um what's up Miranda um yeah, no, it was just, it was very, it was very final. Um, and again, like a lot of stuff, like. It had a lot to say. It did have a lot to say. And, and the thing that was really surprising was there was a lot more closure. Like a lot more things were explained. Like there's just a part where Gendo just fairly clearly lays out his plan and motivation. And that is. I mean, it's kind of what we always suspected it was, where it's like, well, we're I'm I'm trying to unite myself again with my dead wife, and basically the only way that I can do that is to kill God. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I spent the last like however long, like like well, I guess at this point, like last thirty years, figuring out where you can go to kill God, and I found this place, and it's the one place where you can basically remake reality in this unreality that we've, uh, that Shinji and him find themselves in at the end of the movie. I guess spoiler alerts. Oh, whoops. Yeah. I don't know. It's also like a movie that God, if you were not invested, if yeah. you have not already seen it, seen it it's, and it's, you were going to see no. it. I don't know. But, um, I thought it was interesting too. No, cause they also were very much like, uh, it's sort of the the Dr. Frankenstein uh, issue. So, like, in in Frankenstein, Frankenstein, <laughs> um, Frankenstein, uh, they actually, like, Dr. Frankenstein and Eliza, I think is the name of his girlfriend? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Um, uh, he is like, I could finally create life. And she's just like, we could have had sex, bitch. <laughs> like, we could have... We could have fucking had sex and <laughs> you could have just put a baby in me and we could have been done. Mm-hmm. And um like yeah. uh Gendo, Gendo and Shinji end up having essentially that conversation, not about sex, but it's just <laughs> like he's just like, I just really wanted to be with my wife again. And it's like your wife lives on through your son. You you you, you could have just had a-, had a better relationship with your son. And he's like, oh, fuck, you're right. Like, <laughs> and it's just like, God damn it, Gendo. <laughs> Which is like one of the things that like the show is trying, like the movie is trying to say and the show is trying to say. And like, I think this is, it's interesting because it's like, I've seen now the end of the original series, the end of Evangelion, and now this one. And I feel like this one actually, I think he's been trying to say this mm-hmm. for the last 25 years. And I feel like this is the first time that he's like very successfully said what he needed to say about trauma and grief and life mm-hmm. um, in a way that just like was not clear with congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, like the end of the original series ends with like everybody on the world, like <laughs> clapping for shit. She <laughs> and saying the word congratulations over and over. Um, but this one, this one, it's like actually like, Oh, this is this is oh this is what you've been trying to say for twenty five years mm. and like it makes sense and, and I I think it's it's so much more 
cathartic, I think, yeah. in the rebuilds. Because as much as I love the original Neon Genesis Evangelion and then the original, like the, the, the end of Evangelion movie, the, the, the show kind of fell apart in terms of budget. So there was only so much they could get done. And that's a song that we sung before. And then the movie is beautiful and is probably one of the greatest anime still ever made. Like that, the end of Evangelion movie looks incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like both of those things kind of have to be taken as one unit. So you have to kind of understand that like, okay, this stuff is happening concurrently to like the last three episodes of the series. Mm. Yeah. Like this is the stuff that we didn't have the animation budget to show. So you have to understand them as like one big piece. Um, And so it doesn't really make sense because it's very like stilted. Right. Um, There's also, sorry. And the other, the other part of it is that the end of Evangelion movie like ends with the, the big crisis, like the, the third impact being averted and then everything just kind of stops. And so like, while Shinji has a moment of growth and understanding, it's not as impactful as it could have been because he didn't like he while he went through a lot, he doesn't go through everything that the Shinji in Rebuild goes through. Yeah. Like so Shinji Shinji uh Rebuild Shinji goes through way more shit. Like all the characters do. Um so when it finally comes time to like stop this stuff from from happening or from ever happening again it feels way more cathartic because shinji has grown way more by the ends of the rebuilds than he does by the end of end of evangelion Mm -hmm. um and so the choices he makes are more like self-sacrificial and like less concerned with because even by the end of end of Evangelion, it's still what is what are other people think going to think about me? And by the end of the rebuilds, it's more of no, I'm fine with whatever happens. Like I, this is the choice I'm going to make. I'm the one that has to make it. Um, yeah. And I no longer care if like what other people think about my choices. Like he's become a fully realized, fully actualized person capable of making his own decisions, which I never feel like even by end of Evangelion, he's, he's not that person. Mm-hmm. It's also like, I, one of the things that I appreciated was, um, the creator and I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, Hidetaki Anno. Hidetaki Anno, um, is a much better storyteller. Um, so in the rebuilds than he was in the original series, in my opinion, um, one of my issues with End of Evangelion specifically, um, and the end of the original series is it, and they give the excuse, and to be fair, like they did get like their budget cut and that was like a lot of issues, but so then he relies on telling the audience. And so he like has like, there's like a lot of monologuing, there's a lot of stock footage, there's a lot of like, it's, it's very cerebral at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like, it's almost like watching like a YouTube video or like a video essayist or like listening, mm-hmm. you know, it's more like that mm-hmm. than a satisfying cinematic arc. Mm. Um, whereas in end, uh, the end of the rebuilds, 
of Thrace. What was this called? Thrace, Th- upon, Thrace upon a Time was the last one. Thrace Upon a Time. Um, he is so much better at like showing you rather than telling you. Mm-hmm. Like he actually keeps like there's a, like a fair amount of monologuing like there has always been throughout the series. But what? It's not Shinji doing it this time, which is kind of cool. It's Gendo. Um, and Gendo talking through and processing. So that's understandable because that's the kind of character Gendo is. Like, Gendo's a narcissist. And that was, like, very earned and felt very satisfying. And then the way... I'm going to spoil something. Should I spoil We've this? already kind of spoiled. We've, like, spoiled the whole thing. There's yeah, a really... You, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um... We might want to put like spoiler spoiler tags in there somewhere when we'll we're put like spoiler tags in there. Yeah, I'll I'll remember to put spoiler tags in there. Hopefully. But I didn't remember to put a tweet out last week that we were going to be doing it this week. But whatever, I'm I'm good at this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good at podcasting. Oh um, you know right? Podcasting. You know it. <laughs> um. So at the end of the end of thrice upon a thrice upon a star. Thrice upon a time. Thrice upon a time. Thrice upon a time. Um, he ends up, it's really cool. Like, whereas in, uh, the end of the original series, they, like I said, they used a lot of stock footage and they used a lot of monologuing. Instead, you get this very beautiful, like two or three minutes of animation of him sitting on a beach, looking out into the ocean. And then they start pulling away, like, we're going to start pulling away, like, the digital coloring and we're going to start pulling away like the background until finally you get like, it's just Shinji the sketch, mm. right? Being animated. Like, on the, the like an animatic basically yeah. of right. like, like a storyboard. So like they're pulling, they're pulling all of the, like uh, all of like the artistry, I guess, like all of the art of the animation to where you get like that, that storyboard image it's kind of hard to describe, but it's very beautiful to watch in time. And um, that instead, and then there's nothing, there's just music playing over it. Like he's not explaining. Cause that's a thing that like a trap that I think um, the creator fell into at the end is like, no, I had to explain it. Cause people aren't going to get it. And it was like, I think I had that kind of moment of like, what's going on? And then it's like, Oh, well you asked me yeah. and I was like, well, it's ending. Like, because cause the his again, wish is for a world without Ava's, mm-hmm. which and ended, so literally Evangelion is being ending is ending as we're watching it. Like the animation of the movie is going away oh, as this that. wish is being granted. Of you're in a world without Evangelions. Congratulations! Like this is an ending of the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in a way that in the in his earlier work, he would have been like, this is the end. Do you get it? Do you get that this is the end? This is what I'm doing. And like, they don't, you know, there's like a lot of stuff with like a lot of imagery with like sound stages, which they reference in Thrice Upon a Time, but they don't spend a lot of time on. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of, uh, like I said earlier, like stock footage and like anime. And there's like this whole dialogue that goes over it. Um, and instead it was, you know, I like the fact that he was like, no. I don't have to explain this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust my audience is smart enough to get it. Um, and just smart enough to understand what's happening as it's happening. And I think that that was narratively much more satisfying and mm-hmm. a lot stronger yeah. than any of his previous works. And so that's what I was saying earlier with like, I think he finally kind of got out what he needed to say 
Um, and then it ends with him going like Shinji being in our current world. And, you know, it's kind of nice because it's like, I think there's a lot. There was a lot to be said about that because it's like, yeah, we don't have god monsters that we can go to and rewrite our our uh our universe and our reality but at the same time it's like do you want to live in that world i don't think you want to live in the world of evangelion and not particularly no (laughs) yeah and i i just it was really nice because like a lot of a lot of the series deals with depression it deals with isolation it deals with themes of like being a part of community or not being a part of community and so um and i think he just he ended it so much better (laughs) like it's it's a much it's like narratively it's satisfying cinematically it is very satisfying um you know it uses the medium of animation i think in a really beautiful and interesting way so still being metatextual which is something that like the creator is really known for um but not undermining um not undermining the art form because i think that was like the other thing about the the original ending is there was a certain you had almost a sense of like he would have rather he felt like it wasn't being taken seriously and what he had to say wasn't being taken seriously because it was an anime as opposed to being like a live action or a theater um, production or like a cinema film or whatever it is. Right. Mm. Um, Versus like, no, I like, I am happy with my chosen medium and I'm using it to the fullest extent. And I, I don't know. I was just, it was really nice. It was really like, Oh wow. Like this is really, this is really satisfying. All right. Well, I'm glad you both enjoyed that. Um, did you ever get a chance to watch Shang-Chi? No, we still haven't watched that yet. Uh, yeah, because I, I went to, I don't think it was recorded when I mentioned this, but I had gone to actually see a Marvel movie for once in my goddamn yeah. life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think the last time I went to see a, a MCU film was... Uh, Black Panther? Oh, yeah, we all saw Black Panther Yeah, we all saw Black Panther together. Anyway, so I went to see Shang-Chi, and it stands up. It's like like Black Panther. You you can watch it on its own. Nice. You don't need need all the other movies to understand what's going on. It's very insulated, except for, you know, a few references here and there to, oh, remember that time that everybody, like, disappeared? And I was like, "Uh, no, but you know what? We're moving on, so I don't really know. Um, (laughs) You know what? It's that's solid. That's a solid yeah. answer. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, it was like watching. It's like watching a, a martial arts film. It was like watching a wushu movie with, you know, references to Marvel things <laughs> that I kept asking the people I was sitting with. You know, what is that? What is Who that? is that person? I doesn't matter. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, so yeah, if if you do watch that, let me know and we'll we'll talk more in depth about it. Um, another thing that I watched that I don't think I actually brought up on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, was an anime that I really enjoyed uh, that I'm actually watching a second time with somebody else uh, with my girlfriend I'm showing uh, something Yay. called um, I'm sorry yes I know <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff. Was that rude? I apologize. That was not rude. No, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for the right moment to do that to her. Give her a big old I kiss keep, and then say, gay. <laughs> I keep seeing, like, y'all's, like, tweets to each other on, like, Twitter, and I just want to respond with, like, gay. That's well, totally gay. Like, your girlfriend is gay. <laughs> 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 like, Leslie alert. Like, I don't know. Like, I just want to be very juvenile. <laughs> do it, coward. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> And I'm like, no, at least you're an adult. You can't do that. You're a queer adult. Like, be better. I think you're a model to the children. I think that gives you. Go ahead. The question is if you do it on Twitter, are you going to do it with our joint podcast? (laughs) Or are you going to do it with your own Twitter account that I don't know? (laughs) That was was the thing. It's like, I was like, going to do it. And then I realized that I was scrolling through like our, um, our Twitter account. Yeah. And then like the show's Twitter account, and then I was like, "Well, I shouldn't do that. I should do it from like my personal one." But then I have to like go and switch accounts, and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, "And then I'd get switch. to know what your personal account is because I don't think I follow you on Twitter." No, I don't think it's the one that I was like forced to make in grad school for a class, oh. which also just like fuck that, like <laughs> fuck that noise. <laughs> so it's like a weird collection of people that I follow because it's mostly like the three people that I still talk to from grad school. <laughs> like is it just your name um i think it's i think it's the same as it is on facebook like i think it's my first and middle name hmm. which nobody's sure. gonna know <laughs> no one can know no one can know i think it's like i don't know um i don't know i had to like come up with something but it had to be like appropriate for class and I don't know. Like, I was just, I think Found if you, you like scroll through, you'll still see like my tweets from grad school that I never fucking deleted. <laughs> anyway. It's... Yep, I'm following you now. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Congratulations. We... Congratulations. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway. Um, anyway, I've been showing, I've been showing my girlfriend uh, Dragon Goes House Hunting. Okay. Um, so Dragon Ghost House Hunting is a show about a dragon in like a, you know, JRPG kind of setting. Uh, but this dragon is like a teenage dragon and just like does not have any spine whatsoever, is very like gentle, very gentle soul, uh, and is kicked out of his home uh, because he accidentally let someone come and steal a dragon egg. Uh, and his dad is like, OK, I'm going to kick you out and cut off your allowance and good luck and this kid basically has to try to find a home for himself and runs into this uh immortal elf who's a uh, who's a dark lord of uh house uh, a dark lord of real estate is the way it's described um what you're gonna say and then i'm gonna say what i'm gonna say okay so and uh basically each episode is like them going to a different type of house and like trying to find the right one for this dragon who is very picky uh and it's it there's a lot of references to of course a lot of like nerdy games and shows and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's very much like chock full of the blink and you'll miss it kind of side references yeah um but also it just kind of is fun and it's like lighthearted and it doesn't take itself too seriously um and i don't know if you like if you like media that treats like npcs as if they're people 
Because like I, when yeah. when we play Pathfinder or D anD D together, I'm like always very much try to befriend the NPCs and like get to know them and treat treat monsters like people because yeah. they, they are people. They just look different. Uh, and this very much is like in that same vein. And I don't know. I just I just like it. Um, so I don't know if if y'all wanted to to watch something like that. I know you've already bought your house. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, see how it compares to actually buying a house. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of like weird things that's like they have like little sizes like in in some countries uh, you buy houses like this and these houses are owned by these people. It's like it's very much like informative, like infomercial kind of thing about (laughs) house hunting. Do they have uh, huge swaths of international uh, hedge funds buying up houses in order to rent? Uh, Because that is a problem. They do talk about renting, but it's it's all it's always like from a Japanese kind of perspective. Yeah, um, they they talk about how in Japan, uh, like a mansion is any type of house that is like freestanding. Yeah, you could call anything a mansion. Yeah, it's like wow, <laughs> you have four walls, um, but yeah, which I mean makes sense because it's it's a tiny island nation. Um, mm-hmm. Where was oh I love this like I like I feel like anime more than any other genre mm-hmm. does the like mundanity or like the monotony of real life yeah but in a fantasy like in a high fantasy setting mm-hmm. like I think there's like other places that do like urban fantasy like like Netflix originals do you like the urban fantasy or whatever. Yeah, like, you know, right. Really well. Right, yeah. No, so, God. Follow <laughs> back to our early days of this this podcast. Uh, but there's something about, like, like okay, you're going to be in this high fantasy setting. Like, you're going to be in this Tolkien-esque Middle Earth. And it's just, like, all the anime creators are just like, well, yeah, but, like, how do you pay rent? <laughs> it's like, excuse me, healthcare. How do we access healthcare? Uh, yeah. If I need to go to the grocery store in Hobbiton, where do I go? And I feel like nobody else is asking these questions, right? Like Tolkien yep. is not answering these questions. Like, <laughs> no. like JKR does not give a fucking shit about this. But like, but uh, the anime- Rowling will give shits, and she'll t- say that the wizards will disappear them with magic. <laughs> yes, mm. but like, but 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 like the jet, like like anime creators are like, no, wait, 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 where do they go to the bathroom? <laughs> see, <laughs> see, this is this. Uh, Elise and I were actually having this conversation before we started recording tonight. Oh. Um, where, where I was saying like how like unimaginative JK Rowling is in like Mm -hmm. terms of like world building. It's like, well, how does magic work? I don't know. Like magic wands, like a stage magician would use. Oh, and there's like only like, I don't know, a dozen spells or so. And they're all just like, like Latin. Okay. That seems a little limited. So like, what do these wizards do with all their power? Mostly metal management work. Yeah. <laughs> like they get a job in the magical bureaucracy. Cause that's, that's, that's the highest you can aspire to. Yeah. Whereas I like this other, I, I like it flipped around even more where it's like, where you're taking like the mundanity of life and you're uh-huh. adding dragons into it yeah. rather than just like making a fantasy world boring as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can be, like you can be a knife wielding rogue, mm-hmm. but you still have to pay your fucking rent. Like, yeah, I feel like that's that is like all like fantasy anime. 
Oh well, for this for this one, like they have like parties of quote heroes, and they're nice. always being pests because they're always like breaking into people's houses. Yes, <laughs> so, so always breaking it. into houses, stealing shit, and killing people if they can get away with it. So, yes, I so love the heroes it. are yeah, um, basically pests that you have to, to install like security systems for. Um, <laughs> Uh, like you can, you can, like, yeah, you can be a, a party member, you can be a hero, but, uh, it's gonna raise your insurance. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah, no, there's, like, a lot of, like, Hogwarts and, like, Harry Potter that's actually just, like, boring as fuck. Yeah. And, uh, uh yeah. But, you know, it was my entire personality trait for, like, 15 goddamn years, so we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna change course now. I'm just kidding. We need we need to do we need to do another one of those like deep dives into Harry Potter lore right. like, for for a con. <laughs> that was I so also, much fun. <laughs> I so like I want to specifically talk about like uh, like jobs because like fucking Harry like his his big thing is like what are you gonna do? It's like I'm gonna graduate from high school, become a cop, and marry my high school sweetheart. Like yeah. Like wow, that is sad. Like who's, I fucking know people like that, also, and I hate them. Who's also who's also the younger sister of my best friend? Who's also the young? So I never had to like, meet another person, mm-hmm. fucking ever, ever again. Yeah, I, I guess we, I guess we'll need to do another presentation about the job market of of uh, the job market. Yes, <laughs> there's like three jobs. There are like three fucking jobs you can get if you're a wizard, like professor. <laughs> Wizard no cop, yeah, and like God. bureaucracy, like and that's <laughs> it. What do the What do the Weasleys do? What is their job? Uh, what of the Weasleys actually has a cool job? He's a Charlie as a dragon researcher, mm-hmm. or like he like, but he has to like live out in like Sylvania or something or Romania. I guess they live what, what out is, in Eastern. What is Sylvania? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like Pennsylvania. He's got to live out near Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. He's got to live in Pittsburgh. Yins. Oh, my God. Yin's got these dragons, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Pittsburgh. But like, yeah, there's a dragon that lives out in the... I know. There's, yeah, fuck it. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> it's a wooter. Eerie. It's a wooter dragon. The wooter dragon. Ah. Lives in the. I know that that's skulkle. that's more. I think that's more Philly than uh, that. It's a it's a wooter dragon lives in the skulkle. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the city floods because of the hurricane coming through, it just goes oh, right into the, into the underpass. <laughs> Why did I take the ninety five out of here? But um, no. So like, the, he lives in like Romania, and like I guess like is part of and this is like a thing that i'm like i wish this was explained more is mm-hmm. the idea is like he's some sort of like i guess like wizard naturalist or okay. like wizard of like environmental like researcher okay but like the the historic yeah. version of a naturalist is like a rich guy that decided to go right there right. the plants right so like, and what does like... he do for a job <laughs> <laughs> Like, like you get the idea that I guess like they're supposed to be like grad students. Okay. They're just like grad students, like watching dragons, like Jane Goodall in the forest the or something. Re- like, is like the entirety entirety of wizarding like economy based around the education system? I think so because it's like a lot of people. It's like you're yeah, like a lot of jobs. It's just like I don't know. You get paid to research, or there's just like a lot of people yeah. who have like family wealth. Yeah. It's like like the yeah. Malfoys. It's like I don't know. They're just rich. What do they don't have to do anything? Like they're they're. 
what do wizards do? They teach the next generation of wizards. Right, which is like so <laughs> I funny. guess I guess if you could do magic, you can do all kinds of shady shit to get wealth. Yeah. And if you're willing to be shady about it. So but then they like regulate it. But then they're like, no, you can't do that. Like you're a literal fucking wizard. Like that's the thing that doesn't make any sense. Is they were all like, no, we're gonna have like a whole department, because that's Mr. Weasley's job. It's like mm-hmm. it's a whole department to like make sure that like, you know, people aren't like fucking too much with like muggle shit. Well, which see, is everything. Think, no, and, see, like, that's that's a capitalist thing, because like, you know, there are people that accumulated their wealth like way back in the day. And then they need to maintain that status and wealth. And so nobody else can do this primitive accumulation right. where we just enclose the land. Like, no, that's our shit. We did that. Yeah. No one else can do that. That's my thing. That's my great grandfather's thing. <laughs> and it, yeah, which is also weird because it's like, but then she doesn't refer to like the Malfoys as like lords, but I'm like, that's obviously what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's like she wants to have like, her cake and eat it too, right? Yeah, I like, guess because if they were like muggle lords, like, you know, they would have I don't know. I guess maybe they'd be too involved in muggle affairs if they would right. mean to recognize the queen as the sovereign of their homeland. <laughs> like, you know what you know what would have been like cool as hell? Because we recently watched that um the Atchin Shea films about the uh in defense of the Puritans, have you watched that oh, one? Oh yeah, yet? I did watch that one. Yeah, Man, yeah. like totally. What would what would be a great story if someone other than J.K. Rowling wrote it? Mm-hmm. Um, would be like, all right, 17th century like wizards who joined the Diggers. Go, go, <laughs> oh, like, as shit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what what is uh what do the levelers look like in the wizarding world? <laughs> That's what I want to see. <laughs> And instead, it's like, I don't know. It's also kind of wild that, like, the Weasleys, like, on the one hand, everybody has, like, it's so, it's so regressive. Harry Potter is so regressive and so conservative because, like, Mr. Weasley has a job that can support his entire fucking family of, like, eight children and his wife, and his wife doesn't have to work. Uh Uh-huh. And it's like, they always talk about, like, how poor he is, but it's like, well, like, Mrs. Weasley could get a job. Right. Like all of her children are grown. Like mm-hmm. she could also work JKR. And it's like, no, no, no. A woman's place isn't the home. Also, like, Jenny, I'm sorry. Now that you've like gotten me on this rant, <laughs> this is your fault. It's, it's your my fault, fault, Alex. It's always the trans woman fault. Exactly. For Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up as a topic of this conversation. <laughs> Brought this upon yourself. So, but like, what are the kind of dumb things? Like, Jenny, after. After high school, after Hogwarts, mm-hmm. uh, gets to be like a professional Quidditch player and ends up like giving up on that dream at the age of 19 so she can like get married to Harry and pop out a bunch of kids. Oof. With like and the dumbest like, names in the series, and, like, and the that is saying something. And it's just like, and then I guess she like gets to work part time as like a, a correspondent, but I'm like, she, you're telling me. This girl that grew up with absolutely nothing and like hand-me-downs from her seven older brothers, like you're telling me that she quit professional sports and endorsements and riches and fames after like two fucking years to like fuck her high school sweetheart into oblivion? Like, are you kidding me? Like that is, that is some character assassination right there. 
But at least we know that there are other jobs. You can be a sports player. You yeah. can be a sports player or a sports correspondent. But you can't because Ginny has both of those jobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is like weird that it's like, it's just a self-perpetuating bureaucracy. Yeah. I need to I need to look at the the details and and do the math and figure out what the average the average uh, the the GDP uh, right? of the, uh, of the <laughs> wizarding world is. But like I think about it like in the twenty first century and like in the twenty twenties and I'm mm-hmm. like like there's not some like fucking like witch kid on TikTok like that's really how all of this would like well like be uncovered is like some person on like TikTok. Well, I yeah. mentioned I mentioned in our like in our uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, Wizarding Czechoslovakia. Wizarding Czechoslovakia. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned in Wizarding Czechoslovakia that like yeah, if if this shit got out in the world of dash cams known as Russia, Putin, <laughs> <laughs> this shit's gonna be all over the the dart dot ru internet in yeah. like a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, look at this boy. Falls from the sky and uh, is in a lake here. Uh, I'll just drive away. It's whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It's so... And it's just like... And for what? And for why? Like, why do you give a fucking shit if people know that you're magic? (laughs) You know? Yeah. With that said, uh, I highly recommend Harry Potter fan fiction with the serial numbers filed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carry on by Rainbow Rowell, <laughs> which is like 100. So it's interesting um, just to do like a last recommendation for a book series. I don't know. Um, so I just, I finished reading the Carry On series, which is uh grew out of so rainbow rowell is a young adult new adult um fiction author and she created this book called fangirl and which like is about like fan culture and it's about this girl that writes fan fiction um but she couldn't say like harry potter fan fiction right (laughs) so she had to like create her own so she would like simon snow and the blah 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 Wingardium or whatever I don't know oh. but like so she created like Simon Snow as like a Harry Potter stand-in so that way she wouldn't get into any trouble with the famously litigious JKR right. and um <laughs> and then like like a couple years later somebody was like oh you should like I don't know like why don't you like write the Simon Snow series <laughs> and it's very obviously like gay it is one it's very very gay which is kind of nice Um, And by kind of nice, I mean very nice. But like, gay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, um, it is uh, Harry, Draco, what if they were roommates slash fic Mm -hmm. that she just like chiseled off the the serial numbers one. But it's like, in a lot of ways, it's like way better. And like answers a lot of the questions. Um, that I think a lot of Harry Potter people are really like, this is kind of dumb. <laughs> and like, why wouldn't you do this? And it's like, it actually like does like a better kind of um, interpretation of it. I don't know. So if you want something that's like not written by a transphobe, although she's been accused of like by erasure, by, I don't know. It's weird. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's Absolutely. so I like, so I as a bisexual woman, let me speak the truth. No, I'm mm-hmm. um, speak it. The 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 character, the main character, Simon Snow. I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything for this. 
Um, so Simon Snow, who's like a Harry Potter archetype, um, ends up like he has like a girlfriend in the beginning of the series that's sort of like a Ginny character. Um, and then he ends up like they end up breaking up and he starts dating um and he starts dating his roommate, um, Basil, who has this like ridiculously long British name. Um, but like he ends up dating Baz and they get together. And so like a lot of people are like, well, why don't you say that he's bisexual? And I'm like, she hasn't had to say he's bisexual. He is bisexual. Like he is a chaos monster. Um, <laughs> cannot figure out his shit. Like this is the representation that we deserve. Um, that like me and my other bisexual hobgoblins like 100% deserve. Um, <laughs> but it was this idea of like, she's like, well, he was straight and now he's gay. And I think like a lot of people interpreted that to be biphobic or biracial. And I'm like, I think it's a very nineties way to describe bi people. And to be fair, it's like, yes, it is a very nineties way, but like the crux of the books are more so, more so supposed to be about like trauma and how does it affect you? And how do you move on after like really traumatic events in your life? Like it's basically, that's kind of like the crux of the story or the focus of the story. Um, and so a lot of his, like, a lot of his reaction to his sexuality is less like, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I bisexual? And it's more just like, wow, this is like a thing, but I'm not going to think about it too hard because I don't want to ruin what I currently have, which is, ooh, that is some bi feels. Um, <laughs> so like, I think, I, I don't know. I think like, even though what the... I don't think the text itself is. I think like, I think Rainbow Rowell just kind of like misspoke, but okay. I don't think like she deserves to be canceled over it. Does that make right. sense? Makes and sense. so like, I kind of like the treatment mm -hmm. of his sexuality in the books. Um, I sort of like the treatment of all, all the characters are on like kind of various ends mm -hmm. of the sexuality spectrum. Um, and I like how she deals with it. And I like how she discusses it, even if it doesn't like perfectly align to like the way that we're, that we are supposed to talk about sexuality. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know. So that's like, if you're looking for a fun thousand page series that you can get <laughs> through probably in a weekend, uh, cause it's young adult right. <laughs> literature. If you're interested in something that is even less of a series um, <laughs> uh, and you still want to, uh, to say suck it to uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, <laughs> try uh, Chuck Tingle's trans wizard Harriet Porber and the bad boy Parasophophilus. Nice. <laughs> An adult romance. Did, did, did we talk about that at all in the podcast? I know I we know. talked about Chuck Tingle before. I think we have. I don't know. I remember seeing that one before, but I don't yeah. know if we talked about it on the podcast. So I... I do want to read like the the Amazon like back of the book yes. description? Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> here we go. Trans wizard Harriet Porber is a master spellsmith who's found herself in a bit of a pickle. Which, if you're a trans girl, you know what that joke is all about. <laughs> um, after finishing Wizard College, Harriet made a name for herself by creating a hit viral spell, but has since failed to craft a follow up. Now Harriet's agent, Minerma, is breathing down her neck, suggesting that Harriet take a trip to an island off the coast of England for inspiration. 
Hoping for some peace and quiet to clear her head, Harriet Porber uh, arrives to find that her new neighbor, an angsty bard named Snabe from the band Seven Inch Nails, uh, is already there making a racket. This parsoph- uh, para, I don't know, this dinosaur, this uh, <laughs> sorphus. Because <laughs> it's not a Chuck Tingle book if it doesn't have a dinosaur. <laughs> this parasolophus uh, spellcaster is a bad boy, though. Uh, through and through, and with his incredible power of me- meta magic, Snape reveals that this layer of reality is much more than it seems. <laughs> Could, Harriet- <laughs> Could Harriet and Snape really be characters in a parody romance novel? <laughs> yes. Soon enough, these two are discovering they have more similarities than differences. Both trans, both strong, and both helping hoping to create a new spell that will change the world. But with the addition of two deviant, sentient motorcycles into the mix, (laughs) (laughs) Delatrix and Bracco, things get more complicated. Now trans wizard Harriet Porber is caught up in a tale of magic and mystery where nothing is as it seems except for one universal truth. Love is real. (laughs) (laughs) I love Chuck Tingle. God. Uh... (laughs) And apparently, apparently he made a sequel uh, called... um, Trans Wizard Harriet Porber and the Theater of Love, which came out in March of this year. Um, God bless Chuck Tingle. <laughs> He's truly doing the Lord's work. <laughs> truly. Uh, I don't know as much about that one, but uh, we could read the back of the box description if you want to fill a little bit more time. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. All right. Trans Wizard Harriet Porber should be riding high after crafting one of the most powerful spells of all time. Spoiler. Uh, a magical effect that brings you exa- uh, brings you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Unfortunately, once unleashed on the world, the spell causes nothing but chaos and is promptly banned. Blacklisted from the wizarding community, Harriet moves to Las Vegas with her bad boy Pyrosophilus husband, Snape, moping around while Snape performs a musical residency. But things... Uh, change when the couple realize another book is starting a sequel and soon enough harriet is rediscovering her love of magic with the help of her old friends and mysterious new arrivals now harriet is ready to stage her comeback magic show affectionately titled the theater of love of course this plan is easier said than done a mega corporation named just kidding recreation oh uh, my god oh my god (laughs) sway over all las vegas entertainment using lawsuits and intimidation to squash the competition And while it hypnotist hypnotist serpent named the Grape Magini insists she's there to help, it quickly becomes apparently her plans are much more sinister. Uh, Can trans wizard Harriet Porber thwart the dastardly plans of JK Recreation and the Grape Magini? (laughs) Maybe not on her own, but with a group of like-minded friends by her side, Harriet is about to discover the fourth wall breaking strength of a whole community speaking truth to power and standing up against hate in the name of love. Oh. I love it. Chuck Tingle's great. Chuck Tingle uh, is Chuck Tingle. A, a, a gem. Uh, also, I mean, if we're gonna if we're talking about what you should read instead of Harry uh, uh, Harry Potter, the uh-huh. the other the other other answer. Uh, oh my god, there's a Chuck Tingle role-playing game. What? The Tingleverse, the official Chuck Tingle role-playing game. Uh, how have we not heard of this? Oh my god. Alex, you need to get on that right now, please. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, if we had a Patreon, now would be the time that would be like, if we get to like X number of subscribers, 
<laughs> we will play a round of the Chuck Tingle role-playing game. Uh, uh, apparently there's like there's like uh expansions for it too, but yeah, no, oh, I'm sure the Chuck Tingle the Chuck Tingle uh role-playing game called the Tingleverse. <laughs> oh my god. Um but no, the, the 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 other the other answer for what you should read instead of Harry Potter, and this is this is my usual answer, is uh, Wizard, is Wizard of, of Earthsea. It's Wizard of Earthsea. It's Wizard of Earthsea. Wizard of Earthsea's fucking great. Wasn't there a um a Ghibli film made based on? There that? was. Not- it is not that good. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 books are fantastic. So far, all adaptations, all attempts at adapting it, have not been great. Um, but. I mean, Ursula K. Le Guin wrote these books in like the 60s or 70s, and they have way more progressive politics than J.K. Rowling has today. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just better world building. Um, it's it's just it's just better. It's just better in every way. Um, nice. And you know. She she wasn't a transphobe, so that's also nice. Um, our poor dearly departed Ursula K. Le Guin. Oh my god! <laughs> I just I just looked at the the Alex sent us the the Amazon link for the Tingleverse. Oh my god! Role playing game. Why why does this exist? <laughs> oh my god! The fucking shirtless T Rex with the top hat is. Uh, or like a, I guess that's a cowboy hat. Uh-huh. That's 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 kind of sending me. Uh. That's like that's Oh I oh god. What is on the monster guide? That's probably the like guide. there's a jackalope. It's probably like seducing seducing the monsters. <laughs> like a jackalope, there's like uh, uh, there's an arcade <laughs> machine. There's an arcade machine, and then there's like a humanoid figure with like tentacle for head and crab claw coming out of stomach. And I think it's supposed to be Billings. I think it's also supposed to be a zombie, maybe? maybe. I don't know. That makes sense. You know what? I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> the Living Object Handbook. It's got a, like a, a D20 with a face on it, mm-hmm. a, 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 a bicycle with a face on it. And a Chuck Tingle book with a different face on it. <laughs> like what? Like what do you play in the Chuck Tingle? Do you want me to read game? the like, the summary? Yes, yes. Okay. Since we're just trying to like fill out time, I guess. <laughs> a sporting events at the Billings Community Center are ending in angry outbursts in the woods nearby, citing uh, and in the woods nearby, sightings of the manifested concept of rage are becoming more and more frequent. Could the two be related? An entrepreneur moves to Montana and opens up a petting zoo creatures of the void. They claim the cages are secure, but when a big storm pulls into Billings and some creatures escape, was this their plan all along? Your reverse twin shows up with a mysterious box looking for a place to stay. What is a reverse twin? (laughs) Strange noises are heard from the basements of the Billings Library at night. These adventures and more await you in the Tingleverse. Uh, the official Chuck Tingle role-playing game, which thrusts you directly into the middle of your very own Chuck Tingle story. The rule books contain everything you need for a group of buckaroo everything a group of buckaroos will need, including four playable types: Bigfoot, Dinosaur, Human, and Unicorn. Five trots, bad boy, charmer, sneak, true buckaroo, and wizard. Several unique ways, as well as uh, hundreds of cool moves that are specifically crafted for each playstyle. 
Within these 270 plus pages, you will find various magical items and a menagerie of monsters ranging from the pesky void crabs to the villainous Ted Cobbler himself. <laughs> the only question left is, what are you waiting for? Your adventure begins now. I love it. <laughs> I think it's basically, you know, how do you do you want to create your very own Chuck Tingle story? This is a generator for how to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right, I think I think we're gonna have to play this at some point. I think I Alex, think, you're gonna I have to so. you're gonna have to run this. You want me to run this? Yes. Who else would run it? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would. I I will. I will take on the burden. You'll do it if you if you if you need me to, Alex. Okay, I appreciate it. <laughs> I create like a high stakes. <laughs> Oh my god! A high takes high stakes parody romance novel. <laughs> I could do it. I can do this. <laughs> all right. Well, if uh, if we play it and end up recording it, maybe y'all will get to hear it, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Just like our last episode of of uh, what call it? Fiasco. Fiasco. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. Y'all. Anyway. I think uh, that's all we have in us for tonight, but thank you. Uh, we've been some nerds of a podcast. My name is Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. <laughs> and I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful night. <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody.